Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This activity titled, Primary Care's Role in SLE, Treating, Monitoring, and Consulting, is brought to you by the Franz Foundation and supported by an educational grant from GlaxoSmithKline. Before starting this activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Your host is Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Although the prognosis for patients with systemic lupus erythematosus, or SLE, has improved dramatically in recent years, the course of disease often becomes refractory to treatment, and preventing or mitigating flares and progression to multi-system damage remains challenging. But there are ways we can help reduce side effects and improve treatment adherence for our patients, and understanding how to get there will be the focus of today's discussion. From the ReachMD studios in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania, this is CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and today I'll be discussing treatment strategies for SLE with two experts who actually partner together in the care of these patients. Dr. Robin Dorr, practicing rheumatologist and clinical professor of medicine at UCLA, and Dr. Louis Koritsky, a family physician and assistant professor emeritus with the University of Florida School of Medicine. Doctors, welcome to you both. Thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Good morning. Glad to be here. So I'd like to frame our discussion around a patient case, and I'll introduce Trina. She's a 38-year-old Asian-American woman with a history of lupus. Now, she was diagnosed one year ago and started on hydroxychloroquine, or HCQ, at 200 milligrams per day. And she was doing well on that regimen, but today she's presenting with multiple new spots of a raised, scaly rash on her face and back. And she reports extreme fatigue and intermittent sharp inspiratory right-sided chest pain. There's a friction rub heard on auscultation, but she's otherwise afebrile and not in acute distress. So, Dr. Karitsky, as someone who would be uncovering these details in your primary care practice, what would you do for Trina at this point? well for a substantial amount of time and we anticipated lupus is a disease with waning and waxing flares and her new symptoms would be indicative of a flare. The likelihood of flare versus other issues like perhaps not being compliant with medication has to be weighed or perhaps she needs a, a bigger dose of her medicine but I'm glad she's back and reporting what her symptoms are so we can possibly modulate what her regimen is. Even though the symptoms are pretty typical, of course, we have to make sure there's no other disorder going on, and perhaps some monitoring of the lab data would help us to ascertain that this was a player, things like complement levels or sedimentation rate. And just to stay with you for a moment, Dr. Koritsky, let's advance the timeline about a week later. So Trina comes back to your office for follow-up. Her rash is improved but she's still experiencing fatigue and pleuritic chest pain. And on top of that, she's now having joint pain. So what's next for Trina? Well, I'm sorry that she hasn't improved enough with her intervention. I'm I'm going to consult a local rheumatologist who's been involved with her care in the past because she may need to step up in her care. Excellent. So that's a perfect segue. Dr. Dorr, what are your thoughts here? Do you agree about possibly starting a, any particular medications, a biologic, for instance, um, would you want to see Trina at this point? Well, certainly the first thing I'd want to do is measure the hydroxychloroquine levels that can tell us if the patient is on the appropriate dose of hydroxychloroquine. 
but it also can tell us whether the patient is taking the medication as prescribed. But if her blood level shows it's in the therapeutic range, then I'm going to talk to her about other options. One option would be adding azathioprine. Another option would be adding mycophenolate. Most patients, before considering biologic therapy, would have taken um, mycophenolate azathioprine. And then if she doesn't tolerate those or they're not effective, then I'd go ahead and think about switching her to biologic therapy. And that switch and trial of medications, uh, the timeline can really depend on how well she's doing to each medication that I've tried. Unfortunately, we don't have any blood test that's going to um, tell us uh, exactly how she's doing in this short period of time so that I will really go by her clinical symptoms to tell me um, whether the medicine is effective or not. For those just tuning in, you're listening to CME on ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, and I'm speaking with Dr. Robin Dorr and Dr. Lewis Karitsky about management strategies for patients with SLE. So earlier we got a sense of the treatment progression for our patient case, and I want to dive into her current treatment plan in more detail. So Dr. Dorr, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the role of biologic agents for patients like Trina? What have the clinical trials shown with regard to their efficacy and safety? Well, when we look at um, systemic lupus, as I mentioned earlier, what we typically do is go from the hydroxychloroquine and maybe low doses of prednisone to a non-biologic therapy like azathioprine or mycophenolate. The good news is that most patients respond to the, the four conventional therapies, but for those few patients who don't, the good news is that we have two different new biologic therapies that the rheumatologist can recommend for these patients, but these are not medications that most of the uh, primary care clinicians are familiar with, and those include uh, belumumab and rituximab. If we look at the uh, belumumab uh, efficacy data, uh, there's two uh, BLISS trials, and the primary endpoint, that, that means the goal of where we want patients to reach is something called an SLE responder index, and this looks at many different aspects of their systemic lupus. So when we look here at the data from the BLISS-52, uh, what we see here, there's two different uh, dosing, 10 milligram per kilogram and uh, 1 milligram per kilogram uh, compared to placebo, and here we have a 44% placebo response rate, and that's one reason that it is so difficult to meet primary endpoints in lupus because it's such a complex condition, and certainly this is a high placebo response. Normally, we'd expect about a 30% placebo response. We see that with the belulimab, usually patients start responding between 12 and 16 weeks, and then usually their response uh, levels off after that. Uh, but certainly the dose is, the dose response is better with the 10 milligrams per kilogram. Then we look at the BLIS 76 data. Here we see the placebo response was a little bit lower at 32.4%, but the uh, response rate to the two doses, the one milligram per kilogram and 10 milligrams per kilogram were very similar. And someone would look at these and say, well, that's not really a very good response. We have, as I mentioned, so few choices in lupus that if I can improve the patient's uh, disease by about 40%, I'm happy, and then I should be able to taper down their dose of, of steroids. 
when we look at the data with rituximab, this is data from what is called the EXPLORE trial. And unfortunately, again, as I mentioned, lupus studies are very difficult to reach that primary endpoint. The primary endpoint in the study was not met. There was, however, a reduced risk of subsequent first severe flare, lowered mean severe flare rates, and there were definitely efficacy signals in certain patient subsets, including African-Americans and Hispanics. Many of these patients with more severe disease are African-American or Hispanic. Similar to the Lilimab, what we see with the Rituximab is also a playing of a potential role in reducing the dose of steroids. If we can get them on a lower dose of steroids, but then these patients should have a better quality of life and less morbidity and mortality. Thank you, Dr. Dora. That's excellent information to help ground us on the current treatment options that you're considering. But let me come back to our patient, Trina, then. If you're considering belimumab for Trina, what does she need to know? Uh, Again, in looking at her, I would uh, assume that her hydroxychloroquine levels were were therapeutic. I would have tried either um, azathioprine or um, mycophenolate. Again, she's 38 years old. If she wants to attempt pregnancy, uh, mycophenolate would not be an option, and therefore I would have given her um, probably an eight-week trial of azathioprine, monitoring her labs for side effects, looking at the blood count and, uh, and liver, and whether she has abnormalities on the labs or does not respond um, on to the azathioprine with regards to the multiple complaints that she has, including joint pain and a pleuritic chest pain and just not not feeling well, I would certainly uh, consider adding belilumab to the therapy that she is already on and then send her back to the primary care doctors I mentioned to monitor her, but then I'd like to see her back in three months to assess her therapy and see how she is doing. It's really important uh, that she follow up with her primary care doctor. Again, I'm always concerned about pregnancy in a lupus patient to make certain that she's taking the medicine like she's supposed to. Also, um, if she's on uh, background therapy, let's say with with steroids or with the azathioprine, that she is not having side effects from those medications. She also needs to get her flu vaccination in time because of the increased risk of infection with azathioprine, the steroids, and the uh, Thank you, Dr. Dorr. And unfortunately, we are almost out of time. But before we close, I want to explore what's next for patients like Trina once her current treatment is underway. And Dr. Kritsky, starting with you, what's the follow-up plan, such as how you'll help her manage any side effects, what situations might compel your outreach to a rheumatologist, and so forth? Can you give us some sense of that? Well, hopefully a patient will feel enthusiastic about taking a next step therapy that will improve her symptoms and has been documented to improve quality of life. And we can also celebrate the fact that maybe she wanted to be having to use bursts of steroids. Uh, sometimes patients want to reach for steroids because they're so promptly effective and the patients feel immediately better and they don't see the underlying uh, occult things that are happening to their bone mineral density that they're going to have to pay a price for down the road uh, unless we restrict the use of steroids. Once she's stabilized and feeling the improvements that are likely to occur with the bulimumab, we want to make sure that she doesn't forget that there's a lot of other issues that need to be addressed. For instance, even in young women like this, there's a dramatic 
cardiovascular risk factors and then making sure that the patient isn't engaging in self-destructive activities like cigarette smoking, which could increase her risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, and get, make sure that she's on the, the right path about following routine health care issues so that it's not just a story of lupus is her only health care issue. Excellent takeaways, Dr. Koritsky. And Dr. Zora, let me come back to you for the final word. Uh, you mentioned a timeline in which you'd want to see Trina again, but is there anything else you'd like to add here? I think that the two important things is that there is that line of communication open so that if Trina has any problems, that she then would, would contact the primary care uh, clinician. And if the clinician has any uncertainty or, or a concern about um, some of Trina's complaints, you know, again, picking up the phone and asking the rheumatologist, is this a side effect of the medicine? Is this part of the disease? What laboratory test should I order in order to determine whether it's her disease or a side effect of the medicine? And again, making certain that we, that the primary care clinician and the rheumatologist have that communication, but that the patient feels very comfortable with the primary care rheumatology relationship and that she will feel comfortable if she's not feeling well. To, to pick up that phone or send us a message on the portal so that we know how she's doing instead of waiting until her next appointment to let us know that. I want to echo what Dr. Dore was just speaking about because you remember when we first encountered the discussion about this patient, fatigue was one of her symptoms. Patients with lupus often feel like the fatigue aspect of their life is not respected and validated. And our patient needs to know this is going to be a long-term relationship, that fatigue can be a cardinal sign of the disease, even though it may not be graphic like a swollen joint or something that you can prove on a laboratory test like protein in her urine. It's sometimes incapacitating or reduces a person's quality of life in a, a dramatic fashion. So she needs to know we're there to listen to her complaints and that even things like fatigue may be important disease markers. We really want to know how she's doing. We're opening to hear about all aspects of her health for the future. Well, those are fantastic takeaways. As we come to the end of today's program, I want to thank my guests, Dr. Louis Koritsky and Dr. Robin Dore, for helping walk through current treatment strategies for patients with SLE. Doctors, it was great having you both on the program today. Thank you very much. To receive your free CME credit or to view other activities in this series, go to reachmd.com slash CME. This is CME on ReachMD. Be part of the knowledge.